Praise God. Okay, now let's to the to the Lord's work at hand here. Uh, we we all have things that we're dreaming for, hoping for, and uh, as we've said in prayer, only God knows what's going on in each of our lives. Only God can can bring us through whatever needs to be done. And uh, in my usual daily prayers and evening prayers and weekly prayers and so on like that. What was impressed upon my spirit, which we're going to talk about today, is breakthroughs. Breakthroughs. God has a breakthrough for you all. And we get to the point so many times where we feel like we don't know whether we're coming or going. We don't know what to expect. We've all got prayers that are in the pipeline, so to speak. We're all waiting for God to either answer or give us direction and everything. And so God is saying that he's going to give us a breakthrough. So that means that with the patience that we've had and the faith that we've maintained over the years, even though we haven't seen, quote unquote, you know, physical evidence of God being by, or for that matter, sometimes we wonder if God is even hearing our prayers. God is saying that I've heard your prayers and he's going to give us a breakthrough. So whatever that thing is that you're praying for and you're hoping for and you're seeking direction for, just know that God is hearing you and that in talking about today's scripture, you know, I always want to build a foundation for what we're talking about here. And if God is saying that he's going to give you a breakthrough and take you to places that you haven't seen before, you know, what I've been feeling and hearing in my spirit is that what God is preparing for us will be, be, be somewhat of, a, of, of unexpected things because he's going to take us to places that we haven't been before. And those places can not only be possibly physical locations, physical moves or whatever, but more importantly, at least I always feel more importantly taking you to a different place in, ter- in terms of your spiritual growth, in terms of your spiritual maturity, taking you to levels that you haven't been before. And as such, it's going to come what somewhat, you know, God always prepares us, but at some point you will sit back and you'll say, oh, wow. So this is what this is all about. So this is what is, is, has been promised. This is what the word of God is talking about. And I believe we're going into a very exciting time. But before we can claim that and accept what we're hearing God telling us, first of all, we have to believe some fundamental truths about God. So let's go to um, Numbers 23. Numbers 23. You know, you, you, it's so easy for us as human beings to sometimes to get caught up in the day-to-day things of our lives and the challenges of our lives to forget that this is God that we're talking about and that this is God who is working for us. You know, who is guiding us along our steps and along our way. So looking at um, Numbers 23 and going to verse number uh, 14. Numbers 23. I'll wait for everyone to get there because I want to make sure that, that everyone here is really hearing this message today because I, I feel in my spirit that there are many things that are pending out there for all of you, that there are many things, many dreams, many thoughts, many plans that you all have and you need direction for them. There are things that you are desiring. There are things that you want to do. There are things that you're looking forward to. There are things on the horizon and, uh, um, and what 
God is saying, while those things right now seem so unmanageable to you, while those things may seem so distant and so far off, that God is going to bring a breakthrough into your life. And or what, what right now may seem like it's impossible, what right now may seem like it's so far off that it's impossible, God is saying with him, all things are possible. Nothing is impossible. So he's going to bring a breakthrough into your life. Okay? So looking at Numbers 23... And going to verse number 14, okay? And again here, there's some fundamental things that we have to to understand as truths. Uh, Let me just say this before we we get there. Um, If you want to avail yourselves of the promises of God, if you want to receive the things that God has in store for you, you have to get yourself to a different spiritual level. Amen? You can't be thinking the way you always thought about God. You can't be thinking the way you may casually think about God. You can't think the way maybe other people think about God. You have to come to a deep spiritual understanding of what God is saying and who He is and why He says what He does. Alright? This is why my prayer is every time when we open service on Sundays is that is that the Lord open our hearts and our minds and our ears so that we can understand the deeper truths of you. Because where God wants to take us is to places that you haven't been before, but we've got to change the way we think about God and the way we view God and realize how real these things are that we're reading in the Bible. Amen? And what God says. So, with that, chapter 23, verse number 14, starting at verse number 14. Numbers 23, verse number 14. And he brought him into the field of Zophim to the top of Pisgah and built seven altars and offered a bullock and a ram on every altar. And he said unto Balak, Stand here by thy burnt offering while I meet the Lord yonder. And the Lord met Balaam and put a word in his mouth and said, Go again unto Balak and say this. And when he came to him, behold, he stood by his burnt offering, and the princes of Moab with him. And Balak said unto him, What has the Lord spoken? And he took up, he took up his parable and said, Rise up, Balak, and hear. Hearken unto me, thou son of Zippor. God is not a man that he should lie. Please underline that. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or has he spoken, and shall he not make it good? Okay? So put a bracket around verse number 19. But in particular, though, God is not a man that he should lie. Okay? So, one of the first mental things we have to do, mind things, and even spiritual within ourselves, is to understand that what we're reading in the Word of God, and what God is saying through us through message, God is not a man that he should lie. So everything that you're going to hear today in the rest of the service is coming from Scripture, which is the Word of God. And God is not a man that he should lie. All right? Other people will lie to you great, as great and lovely and wonderful as people are that we know at some point in time. They may, you know, by design or maybe not by design, possibly tell you a lie. But with God, that is impossible. So you've got to get to the point that when you're reading the Word of God and you're hearing it, that you know that what you're hearing is the truth. It's the unadulterated truth because it's coming from the mouth of God. Okay? The other scripture I just want to go to, again, setting the foundation, let's go to Matthew. The book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 4. Okay? 
You need to understand that uh, uh, if God is going to do a breakthrough in your life, you know, I, I, you know, so many times, you know, over the many years, you know, you, there are songs even, you know, do a breakthrough today, God's going to do a breakthrough, God's going to, you know, and you hear it so many times and people just say, okay, there's that word breakthrough again. But what does it really, really mean to me, you know, and is this God really telling me that God's going to do a breakthrough? Because if you don't believe that he's going to put a, do a breakthrough in your life, then that means you leave here and you're, ju- you're just as down and, and worried about whatever may be going on, in your, going on in your life, so many things that are unanswered, instead of just saying, I'm going to sit back and I'm going to wait on God here, because God promised me that he's going to give me a breakthrough, whatever that thing that's in your life, okay? So we see here, God is not, not a man that he should lie. Matthew 4, Matthew chapter 4, okay, and, and the beginning of Matthew 4 is Jesus in the uh, desert with Satan trying to tempt him, etc. But I just want to draw our attention to, to the fourth verse, okay? Where he answered back, so, well, do three, verse number three first. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. And Jesus answered him in verse number four, but he answered and said, It is written, okay, which is God's word, it is written in God's word, man shall not live, underline live, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Underlined by every word, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Okay, so this means that while bread, food is obviously good for our bodies, we need food and whatnot to to sustain our physical bodies. But that is not by which we live. That is not the substance by which we live. It's the word of God by which we live. Amen. So if we know that God is not a man that he should lie, that God is going to tell us the absolute truth, then those truths that we're hearing from God, this should be the things, these should be the things by which we live. In other words, you hinge your existence on the word of God. When you can get to the point that everything else in life is not that important, relatively speaking, it is not that important. What is important to you is the Word of God, because the Word of God, what does it say in Scripture there? It says that this day He set before you a blessing and a curse. He set before you life and death, and He says to choose life. So we need to choose that we're going to live, that we're going to live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Okay? So, so that's, our, that's our truth, that's our foundation, and everything else. Okay? So now, and then with that, let's go to Isaiah. 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 Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43. And let's see. Let's start at... um, Okay. We need to understand when he says a breakthrough... um, just, just what, what, does, what does a breakthrough mean, you know? Um, okay, I've got this problem, I've got this thing that I'm worried about. But in God's eyes, in God's mind, a breakthrough is much, much more than that. All right? And again, I'm saying to you, and I'm giving to you this kind of prophetically today, that I believe that everyone sitting in the sanctuary here is going to see a change and a breakthrough in their lives but you have to be willing to believe that this is God that's doing it and willing to follow what God is telling you to do. You can't be tied to the old way of thinking. 
You can't be tied to the old way of thinking, the things that, we, things that we've learned over the years or the things that you may have heard someone else say. God is taking you into a new dimension, into a new level of spiritual development with him. And if you're willing to do that and, and, and cast aside all the stereotypical, stereotype thinking that the church, quote-unquote, would bring, that religion would bring, and simply focus on what the word of God is saying to you, all right? And believe him, believe, believe what we just read, that God is not a man that he should lie. So that means that what I'm reading here, I have to believe is the truth. Okay? And by these truths, by the word of God, which proceeds out of his mouth, that is the substance that I'm going to live by. Okay? If you can get to that point where you can really, really believe that God's word is true, and that these other things in life are relatively unimportant. Alright? Those other things in life that are unimportant to you will start falling into place. But you've got to get to where in your head and in your spirit you believe that what you're reading and what you're hearing as the word of God is indeed the word of God. Okay? Alright? So, fasten your seatbelts. Amen? Okay, 43, verse number uh, 14. Thus saith the Lord your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, for your sake I have sent to Babylon and have brought down all their nobles and the Chaldeans whose song is in the ships. I am the Lord your Holy One. Please underline that. I am the Lord your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. Underline your King. All right? In the first place, you've got to stop and, and say to yourself, and I don't want to, I want a show of hands because I don't want to know. This is between you and God. But how many of you really feel that God is your Holy One? Amen? How many of you feel that God is your King? And that's only something that you can reflect on and think about, you know. How much do you reverence God? How much do you feel that God is really the one that's in control of your life? Are other people, are other things more important than God? Amen? He goes on to say here in verse number 16, Thus saith the Lord who makes a way in the city, in the sea, and a path in the mighty waters. So underline that. The, the Lord who makes a way in the sea and a path in the mighty waters, who brings forth the chariot and horse, the army and the power. They shall lie down together. They shall not rise. They are extinct. They are quenched as a wick. Okay? Now, where it says who makes a way in the sea and a path in the mighty waters, when you're feeling like there's something going on in your life that is so out of control that you can't put your arms around it, that many times is like you're feeling like you're drowning. And you've probably heard the old expression, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm just treading water. I'm just treading water, meaning like I'm just barely keeping afloat. Well, if you have things in your life and that's going on and you feel like you're drowning, God's going to make a way uh, uh, through all of that so that you can make it. Verse number 18 says, Remember not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Now put a bracket around verse 18 because that's very, very important for us in moving forward. Remember not the former things, neither consider the things of old. So many times when we are trying to move forward, when you've got something going on in your life and you're struggling and you're wrestling with it and you don't know how to move forward, what the devil many times will do will bring back to you things of the past, you know? And anything in the past that the devil brings to you are not going to be good things, alright? If God brings back something in the past, it would be something like Holy Spirit will, will, will remind 
remind you. Don't you remember when, when I brought you out of this? Don't you remember when you were blessed? Don't you remember when you had this problem and I brought you out? That's the way God will, will, will remind you. But he's saying remember not the things of the past. Because the devil, when he does that, he will try to bring back to you all of the failures. All of the times that you had pain in your life, you see. So God is saying here, don't, don't look back on these things. Because where God is going to bring you to this breakthrough, whatever it is that you're hoping for, whatever things you're reaching for and right now it just seems so far out of reach or even if you're even not sure yet at this point what it is that you should be reaching for God is going to give you that breakthrough but don't go focusing on the past all right don't go thinking about oh well, gee whiz I remember I tried doing this one time before and what happened nothing happened or whatever all right so God is saying remember not the things of the past verse 18 again remember not the former things neither consider the things of old behold verse 19 behold I will do a new thing. I will do a new thing. I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Alright? So on the line that I will do a new thing. And uh, now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? In other words, will you not see it and understand it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. So wilderness in scripture all the time, you know. As, as we know, Israel went through the wilderness, and that was 40 years of, of a very hard time. We all have wilderness experience in our lives. Those wilderness experiences are a period of time, be it a day, be it a week, be it a month, be it six months, be it years, that we're struggling for something, that we're waiting for something. There's something that we're trying to achieve, trying to attain, and it just seems like it's, just keep, it's not quite there. You know, we, we feel like we're, we're in a dry place because we're not getting any satisfaction or whatever it is that we're hoping to accomplish. All right? So when he says that he will make a way, whatever it is in your life that you're worrying about, that you're thinking about, or you want some direction for, God is saying you as this breakthrough that he's going to show you and give to you, he's going to make a way through that wilderness that you have. What right now feels like a wilderness. And it says that, that and, and, and rivers in a desert. Now we know that a desert is devoid of water. We know that there's no water in a desert. So if you are in the desert, then you're dying of thirst and you're crawling through the sand like we've seen in all of those movies, you know, and you're crawling through the desert. Oh boy, you know, for a river or for a body of water, for an oasis. And God is saying is that that there will be rivers in the desert. So in that dry place that you're feeling right now, in that dry place where there might be, uh, appear to be no answers, where you're not sure where things are going to go, God's going to make a way there. God's going to make rivers of water, and he's going to help you to traverse that desert. He's going to bring you across it. And that will be in the form of whatever that breakthrough is that you need in your life. Okay? All right? And, and Satan, you know, uh, Satan has, has a way of... Um, you know, like you all, you all know what a, what a mirage is, you know, you're in the desert and for most of us who have never been in a desert, but if you want to see what a mirage is, how many have driven on a, a road, especially when you've got a winding road or there are maybe dips in the road and it's extremely hot, very, very hot. How many of you have experienced on a very hot day looking ahead of you on the road and seeing what appears to be water? And that's simply the heat that's, that's coming up off of the ground. And it looks like there's water out there and it's a mirage. You know, the devil will many times throw a mirage into our lives, you know, thinking that this is the place that you want to be, that this is a place of safety. So that means then that we can't be distracted by things that the, de- that the, the um, devil might throw in our directions. But we have to keep our eyes focused on God. Because when God is saying that he's going to make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert, that means that God is going to do something. God is going to do something. And the way to, for 
us to know when that river in the desert is really God is that it would be confirmed by his word. Be confirmed by his word. God is not going to put something in your way or, or put a, a breakthrough in front of you that is, is not going to be confirmed by his word. Or I should say in line with his word. He's not going to give you a breakthrough, let's say, you know, if you've got a financial need. You've got a financial need. He's not going to give you a breakthrough that also gives you a way to go and rob the bank. As an example, okay, God is not going to give you a breakthrough by showing you, this is how you can break in Chase Manhattan Bank. That's not of God. Amen. Now, I'm kind of exaggerating that, but I'm trying to make you see that when breakthroughs and opportunities come your way, that we need to make sure that it's God. All right? All right? Because God will be guiding us, but we need to make sure. And God will not guide us without giving us ways to confirm it's Him. Verse number 20 says, The beast of the field shall honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, ostriches because I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen. Please underline, drink to my people, my chosen. So you now you know that you are one of God's chosen. Now, if you don't believe that, you've got to come to the point of really, really believing that you are a chosen one of God. Amen? And that if you're one of his chosen ones, then he says here that he will give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people. Now, you know, drink in in here is uh, water is also referring to in scripture as Holy Spirit. You see? So this is meaning that you'll be giving, God will be giving Holy Spirit to you to, to, to refresh you, to replenish that dryness that's in your life. Dryness in, in your life relative to scriptural reference is when things in your life are missing. Things in your life are lacking. When there's something that you're striving for and it's not there. Something that you're striving for and, 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 and you're missing or you're not sure of how to accomplish it. And you just feel like, you, like you, you're just so physically depleted you don't know where to go. So water is a refreshing thing. Holy Spirit is a refreshing thing. So we can gain refreshment and sustenance from God through Holy Spirit. But he's saying it, I will do a new thing. Verse 21 goes on to say, This people have I found for myself. But thou hast not called upon me, O Jacob, but thou hast been weary of me, O Israel. Thou hast not brought me the sheep of my burnt, of thy burnt offerings, neither hast thou honored me with thy sacrifices. I have not caused thee to serve with an offering, nor wearied thee with incense. So God is simply saying here that many have forgotten God. May have forgotten God. At this particular point, he's saying there that God, that Israel had gotten away from bringing sacrifices to him. That is, what does he say there? Thou hast not brought me the sheep of thy burnt offerings, neither hast thou honored me with thy sacrifices. He goes on to say in verse 24, Thou hast brought me no sweet cane with money, neither hast thou filled me with the fat of thy sacrifices. But thou hast burdened me with thy sins, thou hast wearied me with thine iniquities. In other words, they, they've been constantly sinning, but yet still though they're forgetting about God in terms of sacrifice. Sacrificing to him. Now, how does that mean in modern times? We don't sacrifice, obviously, today, but we do honor God in the form of tithes and offerings. You see? So, what we're saying, God is saying here, is that while we're oftentimes we're praying to God and God is saying that I'm going to give you a breakthrough, that we should not forget the fact that we owe God sacrificial giving. In modern day times, that is simply in, in the form of our increase in whatever it is that we're, we're being paid in. You know? We're not an agrarian society for the most part. We're not farmers, so the way that we get our increase is through, is through money. You know, our bosses give us a paycheck, whether it's weekly, monthly, or whatever, bi-weekly, or whatever, bi-monthly, or whatever, you see? So what we're saying here is that while we're waiting, what God is saying is that while we're waiting for these breakthroughs, let's not get sloppy and forget about giving sacrificially to God. 
Because this is a mistake that Israel made many, many times. Okay? You know, we can't think that God is going to give us a breakthrough and then not give to him. And, I, and I'm, not, I'm not giving you a sermon here on tithing or, or offering. That's not what this is about. I'm explaining to you what God is saying here because I see so many Christians that are suffering in modern times. In modern times, I see so many Christians are suffering because they go to God. They're crying out to God for things that are going on in their lives. They want answers and God is promising them answers. But yet, times, yet, yet when it comes their part to do something for God in terms of tithes and offerings, they think they don't have to do it. They think they don't have to do it. And all I can say to you is that do what you will and say what you will. It's your life. You can choose to hear what God is saying here today. You can choose as many scriptures. And you can read Malachi 3, chapter 3. God talks about giving and how it's an expectation of God. And God gets very upset when he thinks that we are just there expecting everything from him but not willing to do what he commands us to do. Amen, amen. And I see so many young people, especially today, that are suffering and in so much trouble because they have not locked onto the concept of tithing and giving to God. All right? So don't think that just because you're hearing a sermon on breakthrough here and that God is promising to do a breakthrough in your life, there's still a part that you need to do. And that's, that's honoring God with your tithes and offerings. Amen, amen. The tithe is the requirement. The tithe is the requirement. I'm going by scriptures, not, not Michael Cobb speaking to you. That's a requirement. It's in scripture. An offering is anything that is above your tithe. So we are required to do the tithing. We are required to do the tithing. An offering is a free will gift offering from you to God. Amen. And you can't outgive God. You can't outgive Him. Don't think that just because I give my tithe, I never have to give an offering. Every single time you give an offering, it's like you putting money in God's heavenly bank because God will bless you more and more and more. And people who have gotten into that habit of giving to God, they will find in the strangest ways financial blessings come about, in the strangest ways. Okay? I can tell you there were several times where, you know, the, the government, my old job from which I retired, they miscalculated a retirement fund and they came back and sent me a letter after about six years and said they made a miscalculation and sent me a sizable sum of money. Amen. And I see one of the sisters here in the congregation is saying the same thing. You see, and we've seen things like this going on in my life, my, my, in our lives. My mom used to talk about things like that. She said that money will always meet money. God will always use man to somehow bless you. So you've got to lock into that concept of tithing and giving to God. And, and I, all I can just say to you is that I know many, many people over the years that I've seen who are struggling. And it's because of the fact that they just refuse to give to God. So the scriptures here, when I said to you before, we read, and you read it, not my words, you read it, said, God is not a man that he should lie, right? So again, reading in verse 22, starting with verse 22, but thou hast not called upon me, O Jacob, but thou hast been weary of me, O Israel. Thou hast not brought me the sheep of thy burnt offerings, neither hast thou honored me with thy sacrifices. I have not caused thee to to serve with an offering, nor wearied thee with incense. Thou hast brought me no sweet cane with money, neither hast thou filled me with the fat of thy sacrifices, but thou hast burdened me, okay, but thou hast burdened me with your sins. Thou hast wearied me with your iniquities. I, even I, am he who blots out thy transgressions for mine own sake, and will not remember thy sins. Put me in remembrance. Let us plead together. Declare thou that thou mayest be justified, okay? So he's saying that God is upset here, but he's saying that I will still, I will blot these things out, but he's saying that you, 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 you're, not, you're not sacrificing, you're not giving to me, but yet still you burden me with your sins. Then he goes on to say in verse 27, 
Thy first father has sinned. Talking about uh, Adam. Thy first father has sinned, and thy teachers have transgressed against me. This is where we talk about being aware or beware of false prophets and false teachers. Thy teachers have transgressed against me. Therefore, I have profaned the princes of the sanctuary, and have given Jacob to the curse, and Israel to reproaches. uh, Chapter 44. Yet now hear, O Jacob, my servant, and Israel, whom I have chosen. Thus saith the Lord that made thee, and formed thee from the womb, who will help thee. Fear not, underline fear not, fear not, O Jacob, my servant, and thou Jezurun, whom I have chosen. For I will pour water upon him that is thirsty, underline, I will pour water upon him that is thirsty, and floods upon the dry ground. Again, he's going to bring the Holy Spirit into your life. I will pour my spirit upon thy seed. Underline that, please. I will pour my spirit upon thy seed, and my blessing upon thine offspring. Alright, so this is mean children to come, generations to come. And they shall spring up among the grass like willows by the water courses. Alright, so we see the promises that God has made here, and all he is saying is that there are certain things that you need to make sure that you're doing, but God is saying that he's doing a new thing. God's going to do a new thing in your life in terms of the breakthrough, but just make sure that you're not overlooking some of the things that we just read. Now, we're really going to get to some meaty stuff here. Go to Isaiah 58. Because this is really the core of today's message about breakthrough. Alright? This is really the core. I'm going to give you some, some tidbits here, some, some jewels, some scriptural jewels here that the Lord has documented for us here. And it's a subject matter that we often don't think about. Um, over the years, and I look back at some of my sermons, there have been a few, a few messages on fasting. But we many times, we just overlook it. And we just kind of take it for granted, or we just kind of poo-poo it and think it's not important. All right? But if you're going to get to a breakthrough in your life, and whenever there are significant things in your life that you're praying for and praying about, especially something that is a, quote-unquote, a radical change in your life or something that you're really hoping and wishing for and you don't see any way on how it's going to happen or you've got no direction you really need this breakthrough fasting is something that we need to really really think about okay but this scripture Isaiah 58 talks about what fasting is because so many times we in Christian circles talk about fasting you know and we say, oh yeah I'm going to do a fast you know and, and then or either we start dragging to church after a couple of weeks if you're gone that long and you're looking all you know dried out and you're dragging your feet and just hoping that somebody will say to you gee whiz you feel alright what's the matter oh yeah I'm fasting I'm fasting you know like people supposed to pat you on the back because you're fasting but what is the reason for a fast? Amen? And should we consider it now that we, we are expecting this breakthrough? Chapter 58, Isaiah 58, verse number 1. Cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, and show my people their transgression, and the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily, and delight to know my ways, as a nation that did righteousness and forsook not the ordinance of their, thy God, of their God. They ask of me the ordinances of justice. They take delight in approaching God. Why have we fasted, say they, and thou seest not? Why have we afflicted our soul and thou takest no knowledge? Behold, in the day of your fast, you find pleasure and exact all your labors. All right? So what they're saying to God here is, gee whiz, we're fasting. 
We're doing all of these things. But God, why aren't you, you hearing us? Why are we not getting any response? Because we are indeed fasting. Um, verse 3 again. Why have we fasted, say they, and thou seest not? Why have we afflicted our soul, and thou takest no knowledge? Behold, in the day of your fast you find pleasure, and exact all your labors. Okay? Behold, you fast for strife and debate, and to smite with the list of, of fist of wickedness. You shall not fast as you do this day, to make your voice to be heard on high. So what, he, what, what God is saying there is that, is that on the day that you do this fasting, um, you still go about finding your own pleasures. You're not really thinking about me. You're not really getting serious. You know, he goes on to say that, uh, uh, is it such a fast... Um, hang on, let me go back up here. In the day you find pleasure, behold, you fast for strife and debate. People are fasting, you know, for the purposes of, of, of debating and for just stirring up strife. Uh, and to smite with the fist of wickedness, you shall not fast as you do this day to make your voice to be heard on high. And then he says in verse number five, is it such a fast that I have chosen? In other words, God is saying, is that such a fast that I have chosen the way you're doing it? A day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head like a bulrush and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will thou call this a fast and an acceptable day? and an acceptable day to the Lord. Okay? So God is saying, is this what you think is the way to do a fast? And then he says in verse number 6, is not this, underline this, is not this the fast that I have chosen to loose the bands of wickedness? Okay? So underline that. Is not this the fast that I have chosen to loose the band of wickedness? The first one of the things about fasting is to loose the bands of wickedness that would be in your life. So you've got to take fasting very, very seriously, not fast simply because of the fact, you know. I've known, I've known churches, you know, to say, um, you know, pastor will come out and announce in the pulpit one day, you know, we're going on a 40-day fast, we're going on a 30-day fast, going on a 30, you know, and uh, I want you all to join me. And people go and join in that fast simply because he said that the church is going to do a fast. Well, that's something that's very personal between you and God. If you're not spiritually and physically committed to doing that fast, then you should not be in agreement with doing it simply because the pastor or the church calls a fast. You know, now, I mean, you, you know, God is not going to have us fasting simply because some leader said that we're going on a fast. The Holy Spirit may have told him to say that, but in order for you to go along with that, you need to be spiritually in agreement with it. Because if you're not, then you're fasting for the, for the wrong reason. You're fasting merely for the sake of putting sackcloth and ashes and saying, look at me, I'm going along with the fast. You know, and I remember over the years being in, in the ministry where that is indeed what was happening. Like I said, people would show up each Sunday after and some were looking, you know, oh boy, I lost 25 pounds. And oh boy, I saw a steak on TV and I had to look the other way. And, and they're bringing up food every chance that they get just to say, well, why don't you go eat? Oh, I can't eat. I'm fasting. I'm fasting. You know, and it will look so old. Well, it's putting sackcloth. In other words, saying, look at me, look at me, I'm fasting. That's not the reason that we fast. That's what God is saying here. All right? If you're fasting for the wrong reasons, don't, don't expect to get a breakthrough. Don't be fasting because everyone else is or because you simply want to go about saying, I'm fasting to look at me, look at me, look at me. Don't go about fasting to use it for an evil, an, an evil intent either, for strife or, or whatever you want to be stirring up trouble for. So God is saying in verse number 6, is not this the fast that I have chosen to loose the bands of wickedness? So we use fasting even, even to, 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 to break up wickedness that's going on in our lives. All right? All right? There may be some demonic oppression that is going on in our lives, okay? And we pray about the fasting.
You know, Lord, in addition to my prayers, you know, I'm going to fast um, um, for this for a season. Okay. Now, speaking about fasting, another thing that I always tell people too that many times we have medical reasons why fasting may not be good for you. So we have to do some prayer before you just go jumping on the bandwagon to do a fast. A fast does not have to be something that is totally missing food. Or it takes a lot of discipline, a lot of spiritual preparation for you to totally miss food and only drink water. Okay, I've done that for a few days and I'm telling you it, it, it's hard. It's hard. Okay, uh, we did a fast once where all we drank was water and just seven grapes. Seven grapes. Seven being God's, uh, God's number. Seven grapes. But you've got to be spiritually prepared to do that. Amen. You can fast from a particular thing. You don't have to do a fast from all foods. You can choose a food that you particularly like. Okay. Start easy. Pray about it, but start easy. You're a heavy coffee drinker. Think about fasting from coffee. All right. Okay. Here's these oops, oops. No one. I, hello. You still out there? Amen. Amen. If you, you know, think about think think about fasting from coffee. You know, think about fasting from strawberry shortcake. One of my one of my things. Amen. 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 But think about fast because this is something something that is sacrificial to you. This is something that you're giving up. Something that you really like to do. Amen. And then you can progress along slowly and do something more and more detailed, more in depth, or uh, for a longer period of time. But God looks at the looks at the looks at the heart. Looks at the intent of the heart, okay? And the intent of the heart is, Lord, I love this thing so much, but I'm going to give it up for you. I'm going to forego partaking. I'm going to forego doing this, eating this, drinking this for you, Lord, because I want to just dedicate this time that, that, um, um, to you. Amen? He goes on to say, it's not just the fast I've chosen to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens. Please don't lie to undo the heavy burdens. You see, so again, the perfect of the fast is to undo the heavy burdens. So... If God is going to give you a breakthrough, then that thing, that whatever it is that you're praying for and hoping for, that most likely is a burden to you. Okay? Because the unknown, we're all hoping for some direction or we've got a, a financial issue or, or there's a family member that's driving us nuts or, 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 or whatever, you know. Whatever that thing is that's a burden to you, this may be something that you may want to say that, Lord, I know you're going to do a breakthrough, Lord, and I'm going to fast. I'm going to fast for this period of time. I'm going to fast for this particular object for this particular thing that I'm usually taking. So the purpose here he's saying is to undo the heavy burdens and then it says to let the oppressed go free please underline to let the oppressed go go free and that you may break every yoke. Alright so that can also be used for oppression. Alright that can be spiritual oppression and to break every yoke of bondage. You know if you're you're a smoker as as an example you're a smoker and you're addicted to tobacco alright then that's a yoke. You're, You're yoked to tobacco you're having a hard time breaking free of that tobacco. Amen. Consider going into a, into a fast. Consider, consider fasting to break the tobacco habit. And one of the good things to fast from, obviously, would be tobacco in that case. Amen. Amen. No brainer. No brainer. But God is saying that these are the reasons for doing the fast. Seven. Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, and that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house? When thou seest the naked, that thou cover him, 
and that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh. That is from your relatives and your kinfolks and so on. So these are some other things that we should be thinking about doing here. About feeding those that are hungry, bringing the poor, you know, helping with housing and things like that. Not, you know, it says here to bring thou, uh, that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house. Uh, when thou seest the naked, thou covet cover him, cover him, you know, so that is providing, providing uh, clothing as appropriate. It goes on to say then in verse number 8, then, if you're doing this fast properly, then shall thy light break forth like the morning. Please in the line, then shall your light break forth like the morning, and your health spring forth speedily. Underline, your health spring forth speedily, and thy righteousness shall go before thee. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Okay? So he's saying that, that if you do these other things in those other previous verses there, it says then that your light is going to break forth like the morning. So that breakthrough that you're hoping for, that you're praying for, you will see that breakthrough come into being. You see? Again, the words of God. God is not a man that he should lie. So if God took the time to have these words documented here in this book that we call the Bible, and for us to read, um, for information and for knowledge, then this is something that we should thoroughly come to understand, that this is a responsibility that, that we bear. Amen. God said he's going to do a breakthrough, but now there are some things that I need to consider doing also here. Amen. Amen. Um, and said, then shall your light break forth like the morning. Then shalt thou call. And the Lord shall answer. Please in the line, then. Then shalt thou, thou call, and the Lord shall answer. Thou shalt cry, and he shall say, Here I am. If, on the line, if, if thou take away from the midst of thee the yoke, the putting forth of the finger, and speaking vanity. So many times when we... Um, Again, if we, when you've got that heavy burden that's going on in your life and you've got worries or something that's troubling you, you know, it, does, it seems like it's very, very dark. And then those of us, and I'm sure many of us here, have experienced a time when God delivered us from a difficult situation. The old expression, you know, you'll see the light at the end of the tunnel. Amen? And when that breakthrough does come, come through for you, it is such a burden. It literally feels like a weight has been lifted off of you. Okay? That's because that thing that you're carrying around, that thing you're worrying about, it's a burden on your spirit. And that's why the result of that feeling, the, the burden on your spirit, is like a weight. You know, um, what's the name of that book, um, Pilgrim's Progress? I don't know how many of you read that book or even saw the movie, where the burdens that was being carried was like this huge knapsack that was on this person's back. And then when, they, when God lifts that burden and you're, you're done with it, you feel so much lighter. You feel so much lighter. And God is saying that then the darkness, the darkness, there'll be light. And I don't know how many of you have experienced, again, when you're going through something heavy, it just seems like, like you're going through a fog, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, if you've got a troublesome time going on, going on in your life, I mean, you, you eat dinner, you go to bed, you probably sleep fitfully, tossing and turning, you get up, you brush your teeth, you know, take a shower and so forth like that, and everything that you're doing, you're kind of in a fog, you know, you just kind of, you're going through the motions, you're going through the steps, you get in the car, you drive the car, you get to work, school or whatever, wherever you're going, and you're still, you're like in, in this foggy kind of world, you know. Then when the breakthrough does come and God delivers you from that, there's such a freedom, there's such a light. Each day there's a purpose there. Each day you know that God has your back, the real God. God has your back. You know that this darkness, the next day you're going to be the sun. Because it's going to break through. This is what God is saying here today. 
So whatever it is that you're struggling with, whatever it is that you might be thinking about and worrying about, God is saying that what seems like darkness now in terms of you not knowing what the outcome is going to be or where you're going or where you're heading or what your life is going to be like, God is saying that he's going to give you that breakthrough. He's going to give you that breakthrough. Amen. Amen. But let's just remember, though, to honor God while we're waiting for that breakthrough to come. To honor him with the way God says that he is supposed to be honored. Okay? He goes on there to say... There's no internet connection at the moment. I know. It goes on to say say that uh, um, then you'll call and the Lord shall answer. You shall cry and he shall say, here I am. So many times when we call out to God, you know, uh, we may think that God is not listening and that God is not there. And he's saying that when you call out to him, first of all, he does hear you. But wouldn't it be really, really nice for you to know that God is saying, here I am, here I am. And if you take away from the midst of thee the yoke, the putting forth of the finger, in other words, stop, you know, blaming people and just being such a negative, nasty kind of person and speaking vanity, if... And if thou draw out thy soul to the hungry, and satisfy the afflicted soul, then shall thy light rise in obscurity, and thy darkness be like noonday. Alright, so there are some things that we should look at doing if we want our lights to rise, and and, and the darkness to be like noonday, which is, is totally light. And the Lord shall guide thee continually, and satisfy thy soul in drought. And make fat thy bones, and thou shalt be like a watered garden, and like a spring of water, whose waters fail not. In other words, that simply means that you'll prosper in all things. You'll prosper in all things. If you do those things that God mentioned and talked about in the preceding verses there, he says that that, that the Lord will guide us, you know. And the Lord knows that whatever it is that you've got going on in your life, we all want God to guide us, you know. There are so many moving parts to the things that we, that we want in life. Um, I don't know about you, but every single time there's a challenge that's going on in my life, uh, one of the first things that I do is, you know, you wind up sitting down and you, you want to plan. You want to plan what steps do I take first. You know, and many times you'll sit there and you'll kind of scratch your head. Well, gee, where do I start? Then you remember that someone once told you, you know, well, you got a plan before you got something that you're trying to work out. Get a piece of pencil, a paper and pencil, you know, and draw a column. I think it's trying to respond to me. And, and write, in your, write the columns of pros and cons. And then you sit there with this pencil poised over paper and you start saying to yourself, where do I start? Okay, I'm going to do my pros and cons. I've got the paper here before me. And it's still like, where do I start? You know, you have the faintest idea. Because this thing that is before you seems so so huge and it's got so many moving parts. Okay, now, those moving parts of this thing that's in your life, those moving parts could be people, other people. It could be situations, it could be finances, it could be whatever it is that's got to all come together for you to overcome whatever this thing is, or this breakthrough that God's going to give you. And you sit down and you just kind of, you're trying to figure it out. It almost seems impossible. Amen? So what the, what the scripture here is simply saying here, says that the Lord shall guide you continually. So please underline that. The Lord shall guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought. So in that dry time that's there, just know that God is going to guide you. When he's saying that he's going to do a breakthrough, now I don't know what, what you know, I don't know what's going on in everyone's lives. I don't know what things you're, you're hoping for and you're dreaming for and everything like that. That breakthrough c- could come as one big boom. 
You know, where, boom, where everything is just solved. Or whatever that thing is that you're hoping for or that's challenging you. Or it could be step by step by step by step. And what God is saying there is that he will guide you continually. Amen. So all you have to do is just rest assured that God has promised you a breakthrough. And that God is going to guide me how I achieve that breakthrough. Or how I see that breakthrough. Or how that breakthrough enters into my life. And it simply means that God is going to guide me continually. Now... What big difference does that make with the way our lives are? Ask yourself, who guides you continually? Okay? Who guides you continually? From the time that we get up in the morning, who guides you? Alright? Now, obviously, that just simply means that when you get up in the morning, do you give your day to God? Do you give your day to God by saying, okay, Lord, I'll get up, I'll brush my teeth, and, and I'll shower and everything. Now, the rest of it, Lord, you guide me from here, you know. And that guidance could start with, you know, do I eat an English muffin or do I eat a bagel this morning, you know. I mean, whatever, whatever it might be, you, you know. But I'm saying we have to get to the point, though, where God is literally guiding you. This is the big difference here um, from what you're hearing here today, is that if God's going to do this breakthrough, God is saying is that you need to change how you live. You need to change how you live. You need to change how you think spiritually. You need to change how you think that you are the ones that's totally going to be in control of your life. Or thinking about, Lord, how much of this am I going to give to you? Amen? Amen? God will tell you your part. God will tell you what to do. You know, God is not just going to jump in and just take over your life and then tell you, you've got nothing to do but sit still and grow fat. You know, just sit through and have no movement at all in life. Just sit there and be like, you know. God's going to guide you. He said, He will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in the drought and make fat thy bones. And thou shalt be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters fail not. And they that shall be of thee shall build the old waste places. Thou shalt raise up the foundations of many generations. And thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach. The restorer of paths to dwell in. Please in the line, the repairer of the breach. The restorer of paths to dwell in. Okay? Repair of the breach could be where something is broken. Something is broken. God may, may, may use you to repair a relationship, to repair something that is going on in, in your life. You know, a breach is, is a hole in a wall, for instance, you know, or a break. It says, it says that you will be the repairer of the breach and, and the restorer of paths to dwell in, you know. Now, again, I don't know what's going on in your lives, but many times in dealing with people, maybe things have, been, have gotten to a place here where things are just not going well with you, loved ones, family, friends, or neighbor, who knows, or whatever. God can bring breakthroughs there and restore things there too, you know. So many times I know in dealing with people, especially people that are close to you, you will feel like, oh boy, this is an impossible situation. And you kind of dread, you know, going to a family reunion that's just say, oh gee, his Aunt Tilly's going to be there. I haven't spoken to her in 35 years. Oh gosh, what am I going to do? What am I going to say? How am I going to behave? You know, and in that kind of far-fetched example though, God could use you as the, as the restorer. You know, God could use you to be the one to, to repair the breach that was, that was established between you and she. Amen. Then verse number 13, and winding down here. If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day. Uh-oh. If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight. 
the holy of the Lord, honorable, and shalt honor him, not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words. So that's simply saying that to take the Sabbath and honor it. Honor it. You know, we all know that there are times that we have other things that's going on. You know, it's certainly valid for you to have a vacation. We do get sick and things like that. But still, though, wherever you are, that does not mean that you can't take some time to honor God. You know, we had church on a ship once, on a cruise. You know, I mean, you take time to honor God on the Sabbath, you know. Don't just think about, oh, this is just a Sunday. And I'm going to do so-and-so and so-and-so and just forget about God. Okay? That doesn't mean that you can't have some time to yourself and you can't enjoy life. That's not saying no. But he's saying that to honor him on this day, you know. The, the, the Sabbath is the day that God chose for us. And we need to honor that. And he's saying, if you turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord, honorable, and shalt honor him, not doing thine own, thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words, then, underline then in 14, then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord, and I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth. I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob, thy father. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Please in the line, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Okay? And I simply say to you on those words there in closing is, do you believe that? Do you believe it? Amen? The mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Okay? So God is saying it today that breakthroughs are on the horizon. There are some things that we should do to prepare it, to prepare for it. That God knows and He's heard. He knows the things that are on your plate. He knows the things that are before you. He knows your desires. He knows your fears. He knows your uncertainties. He knows where others in your life that play into whatever the thing that you're praying for. Because again, you know, human beings have very complex lives. It's not so easy and straightforward. It's just cut and dry, one, two, three. The things that you're hoping for, dreaming for, wrestling with or whatever, there are other moving parts, be it people, circumstances, places and things. God is aware of those places, those people, those things, that those dynamics, as you would call it, and going on in your life. God is aware of it. But if God is saying that he's going to do a breakthrough... What are we reading starting out? God is not a man that he should lie. So if he says that he's going to do a breakthrough, then there's going to be a breakthrough in your life. And what I would suggest to you that as you leave here today, in your quiet time later on today, that you ask Holy Spirit, should you, should you take on a fast? Should you take on a fast to, to, to break the bands of whatever wickedness might be going on there, whatever oppression, whatever, whatever other issues that are out there, dynamics that are working against you, you know? I will say this, that when you do go on a fast, you develop a clarity of thought. That's just unbelievable. Your thinking becomes so clear. Your senses are sharpened. Your senses are sharpened. You know, now I'm not suggesting that anyone has to take on a prolonged fast. I'm saying to you that you should pray about it, you know. And if you want to start by doing fasting for one food or something like that, something that you really, really love, to pray about doing that. And then say, Lord, I'm standing on your words to me today. You said that you're going to bring a breakthrough into my life. This is the thing that is a big... It's a big nut for me to crack. I don't know how. I don't know this. I don't know that. Lord, guide me. I'm, I'm standing on your word to me that you said there's going to be a breakthrough in my life. So, Lord, I'm, I'm receiving that promise by an act of my will. I'm receiving it. And I'm going to stand by and wait for your directions. Your word, you said to me today that you will guide me continually. Okay, Lord, where do I start? 
Where do I start? What's the first step that I should take? How should I go about doing this? Amen? And then you stand back and you wait on him. Amen? Amen. Remember, the most important thing is God is not a man that he should lie. So if he's written all this in his word to you, because these words were written for you, they have withstood the test of time. And if these are God's words, then you have to say then that if you believe that, then believe that the next step is for God to bring that breakthrough. Okay? And look for that, that light and the rivers in the desert and all of those good things. Because I guarantee you, if any of you are wrestling with something which really, really seems unbearable and unmanageable, at times it can feel like you're in a desert. It can feel like you're in a wilderness because you're lost. You don't know where to start. But God's going to bring you through that. Amen? Amen? Praise God. I pray and I hope that this message was a blessing to you. And now before we close, let us prepare to honor God with our tithes and offerings.